you know, sometimes I forget how massive Princess Nokia is. Sometimes I forget the music I've made because I'm just living in the present. You know, I've raised myself as an independent, even though my dad um, readopted me at 16. I have been on my own financially, you know, independently since I was 16. I think in the early 2000s, was into diplomats and mixtape culture, and I was late to it because I had not discovered that. But you know what made, was my introduction to that actual thing? Nicki Minaj in, 20, in 2007. I think female hip hop is still not even giving, being given the, the revolutionary scope that it deserves. Um, so I quite love it and I'm a big supporter of it and I'm happy to be a part of it. Hey, first of all, I want to say it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard your name ringing out for time. I used to see your name on flyers and stuff, and I've seen you on festival lineups and everything. So when they said, do you want to talk to Princess Nokia? I was like, yeah, definitely. Like, I have to. <laughs> and, and, and really, the reason why I wanted to connect is because I wanted to talk to you about your journey, your story, and, you know, your, your love of hip-hop and everything else. So, yeah, I really appreciate this opportunity and this, this time to do this. So, um First of all, though, how have you been coping with the lockdown? Like, how's how's that been for you? Um, I equally love having a good time, and I equally love staying at home and smoking weed all day and watching movies. So, um, in a more lighter sense, <laughs> uh, yeah. I wasn't mad at it. However, it was debilitating to my spirit and not being able to travel and not being able to work, not being able to see my family sometimes and you know, having hypochondria of maybe always thinking that one is sick or could get sick. It's very difficult. Um, but, you know, I've managed. I've managed. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's confusing. It's heartbreaking. But it's also, it's also been quite normal for me. And I, I always try to make the best of any situation, no matter the circumstance. So I've just been trying to spend time with my family, be healthy you know, and just make music and, and continue on, even though I felt maybe as if um, the world had stopped. Yeah, it's crazy. Did you find you were making more music than before? Or did you find that you were able to write better? Or was it kind of like, eh, more the same? To me, it was all the same, I think. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, nothing stopped me. I kept, I kept going to the studio. Okay, so... And and you were saying it was watching movies. Is like, is there anything that 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 you was feeling that you've watched that you may not have watched before? Is there any movies where you're like, yeah, that kind of I'm glad I saw that. Well, I did see two. I did see a few movies that I really like. I did see one movie called Crip Camp, which was just fantastic, and it was about this um, this camp for uh, people with disabilities in New York City and upstate, and it was in the late '60s, early '70s. And it was run by a whole bunch of hippies and um, disability advocates. And the movie is just so revolutionary in the message, in the beauty, and the documentation of this actual camp that was just really, really special. I think it was called Camp Hope. I could be wrong. But just seeing all these people just being able to be so free at this camp and the connection between the campers, the, the counselors, the revolution behind, you know, 
advocacy of, of disabled people in New York City in the United States. It was just really beautiful. It made me cry a lot and it was really it was really something else. Okay. Wow. Um and and so where where are you at now? Where which which part of the US are you in? I still live in New York City. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's cool. So you born and raised in New York? Yes. Okay. So you were born in the home of hip hop, right? It's where it all started. And which borough was you was you raised in? I was raised in Manhattan in the Bronx. Right. Oh, the, yo, that's ground zero, right? For like in the foundations of hip hop. You know, my parents were both New Yorkers that were born here in the '60s. Um, so we're teenagers, and at the birth of hip hop pretty much, um, and adults at its at its like foundation and genesis, like young adults. Um, and my mom is from Harlem and my dad is from the Lower East Side. And I've lived in the Bronx almost half of my life. So um, there's just a very special place that I have for those places. And I'm really happy to be from there. There's really no other place that I love quite so much as this, except maybe for Puerto Rico. Okay, like what was your first interaction with hip hop? Because it's like, you're, you know, from where you was born and raised, it's like, at what point were you like, oh, this is, this is something that I like, or this is something that, you, you know, what is this, you know? When, when was the first time that you came across it? I have a very distinct memory. I was uh, watching a VHS of the movie B Street with my dad. And my dad introduced me to the movies Wild Style and B Street when I was a little girl. And um, he introduced me because my father loves, you know, the that was his time. So my father's introducing me to Wild Style and B Street. And um, here I have these really significant pieces of art and movies that are depicting New York hip hop and it's different for me because I was born in the 90s, you know, I'm close to a millennial. So as I'm little, you know, I'm watching these movies with a big fascination. And there's a scene in Beat Street um, in the beginning at, at the party that they put together in an abandoned building. They're like fucking with the, the lights and the electricity. And my father's telling me every single thing, every detail about the movie and how it connected to his life. Um, from the graffiti to the break dancing to the DJ to the break beat from from funk and soul and disco to people you know New York was so crazy at the time there were so many arsons arson scams going on there was so many abandoned buildings right. and and it was really easy to go in the building clean it up and throw a party and in the beginning of the party um, there these the DJ Kenny he's like. Oh, there's Shara, Lisa Lee, and Debbie D. I want to go play their record. He was like, get their record. And he has them perform, and it's three women. Us girls are the best friends when one of them got money, the other one lends. When we go out, <laughs> what the boys want, yeah, you know we got. The fly girl, Debbie D. Lisa, one of them, the whole my policies. So, hey, brother, moving clothes. Take me on the cruise and watch me float. Floating down my mind, show me I'm fresh. And um, that was really, really life-changing and I, I I loved it so much that it still will mean forever and ironically growing up I've always loved hip-hop 
always loved um, like the classics, but I was always into rock growing up. So I kind of was not always into what was going on at the time. I was more into the old stuff. Mm. And, and I had like a, a combination of like old school hip hop and kind of like rock and roll. Wow. So, so, so how, how do you start rapping? What, what gives you the audacity to start putting words together and reciting them? Um, I, I really like to write poetry and I really wanted to, to put that into rap form because it just felt like the things that I was saying were just a little bit more cooler and jazzier than spoken word. So um, it was me just, I just, I, I had a feeling, I, I had a way with words when I would write them down. And then I just started kind of rapping and freestyling to myself at 16, 17, always writing little rap, raps and rhymes. And I started recording them on Facebook when I was a teenager. So there's like little instances. I don't have them anymore, but there are really, there are really like, I have like an 11 year kind of documentation of me doing little rhymes and doing little funny, cool things. And then the first, the first rap I recorded, I was 17 years old. It was on 7th Street and Avenue D. Um, in my friend Clyde's house, and I, I recorded the song that is on YouTube. It's called Destiny. It was the first song I wrote. It was like, been on the strife, sitting lost with the welfare. Been a goon since daycare, never wanted to play fair. I got you vexed as you coming and going. Your cheeks is looking red like your berry is flowing. <laughs> so um, I did that, and uh, it just gave me, that was like about 2010. I was about 2010. It was 2010, and um, I just kind of, sought it out i saw i wanted to create i wanted to make art i wanted to rap um and not even just rap i just wanted to make music so i would find places and spaces that i could do that and it eventually parlayed into um people kind of noticing me through wavy spice and through um bitch i'm posh which is a song i put out in 2011 or 2012 i believe um and then, you know, I had this attention from like labels and stuff, but in the in the midst of it all, I was never marketed as an artist or an entertainer. I was literally a teenager that was getting this attention online. So it was a bit much for me because that was something that I had never intended to go so fast and so so um, quick into. So I just allowed myself to grow in the DIY community, in the gay nightlife scene, in the rave scene in New York. And that's where I felt most at home. That's where I felt most, where I could thrive and where I was loved and um, liked a lot. And and my music was asked to be shared. So I would just do a lot of live shows at raids and parties and do all these rattling, you know, just rom and stuff. And, and, um, and that's really kind of like my foundation. It, it really is true to hip hop, I believe. I feel like my foundation with hip hop comes from its roots of DIY culture and poetry and diaspora and self-discovery. Um, and it wasn't anything materialist or, or you know, um, ill-intentioned. It was all very organic and all very natural. You did it your way. Always, always have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that that's it's, it's it's fascinating to hear that because, you know, I think I think it's dope. You've come up through a different way, you know, to what 
is seen as the norm or whatever or whatever. But that's crazy. Like, because I, I was wondering, I was like, like the music's dope. And like, I got your new track, which is banging. Um, I'm like, where's she been? I'm like, how? Yeah, I just, that's why I wanted to speak to you. I was like, I was like how did you do it? How did you come through? Because you, you're in New York. You've got amazing music. Is the home of hip hop, massive place for the music business. That must have took a lot of guts to be like, I ain't doing this. I'm doing this. Like I'm not taking what could be the easy way out or taking the check or not trying to play by anybody else's rules. It's like you created your own lane and did it very, very well. Like what gave you that resolve to stick to it? Because I know I know a lot of people would have just been like, ah you know <laughs> um thankfully i had a really really honest conscious to be self-aware of myself i was a teenager a young adult i you know i've raised myself as an independent even though my dad um readopted me at 16. i have been on my own financially you know independently since i was 16. um i didn't really have a lot of guidance uh, but I didn't really have, you know, um, I had a fun dad, but not like a strict dad. Like, what are you up to? What are you doing? You know, so I, I was like, I'm all alone. You know, I feel like I'm kind of like navigating something that I have no idea of education, you know, like, so I, and I was very, like, I would just, without even being attuned to it, I was attuned to the pitfalls of bad deals, of young artists, of you know, rapid signings. And that was something I wanted to avoid all the way because I've seen so many examples of people just getting stuck in deals, getting shelved, being just, you know, being taken advantage of. And that was something I never wanted to do um, mm. or never needed in my life. You know, um, I don't have no one telling me what to do in real life. <laughs> so um, I, I just felt like I, I didn't need anything controlling me. Not that I was, you know, overly paranoid. I just really was a bit smarter. And I realized that I had created kind of through my experiences from 2014, 2015 to 2016. It was a beautiful flourishing period for me where I put out this one, you know, experimental album, lots of drum and bass, lots of tribal music. Uh, you know, Afro-Caribbean music, tribal, drum and bass, very inspired by British, UK, um, uh, DB, Goldie, Bjork, Sneaker Pimps, Massive Attack, Trip Hop, my, you know, all the stuff I was into growing up um, that were, really had inspired me at that time. And then, you know, making like a, uh, making like, so, like R&B and soul music on, you know, um, like I would just task myself with creating a project every year. Right. I would just task myself with creating a project every year and, and independently releasing it and seeing what would happen. And what would happen was I would I would release it independently, and though it was more small scale, it was making a serious impact and wave on youth culture, on hip hop and music, and it was creating an entirely beautiful fan base for me. And that was good enough for me. That was really good enough for me. And I saw how much, I just, to be quite frank, I saw how ahead of my time I was musically, creatively. I was very creative uh, forward, the themes, my, you know, I've directed 
17 of my 22 videos. I worked on them entirely with my own collaborators. You know, I've edited them all. I did costuming on them, wardrobe, casting, everything you could think of. Um, I was becoming empowered by my labor of love. And that wow. was, that was really, it was really this really self-aware, refreshing experience where I was going, I'm making incredible music. I mean, making incredible visuals. I have incredible themes that I'm not really finding in music at the moment or people pop popular with my age. And this is going to make me stand out and have that foundation of greatness because it's, I'm a woman who's writing my own music. I own all my music. I'm creating it. I'm paying for it. I'm funding it. And for a young woman in, in hip hop, for a young woman with impoverished background, for a brown woman, I was doing really, really monumental things. I was stepping out. I was, you know, breaking barriers and creating, creating art. A, a texture of my own that was all mine in my own world that I didn't need to explain to anyone. Um, and that has kind of just been the most sufficient thing for me. And I think that rewarded me in the end because, you know, I had quite eventually found my placing in the music industry and did incredible distribution deals. Um, just recently did my first, my first at 28 years old, uh, first major label signing. So I was just setting myself up, um, it was not until recently that I wanted to actually be a universal entertainer, thought I could. So it's all been really, um, really special. I think the journey has been slower, but special. But I anticipated that because I see myself doing this for so for a long time. It's not just mm. for the moment. Um, I want to take it back to the beginning of what you were saying when you were saying that, you know, at the age of 16, he was in New York City you was adopted and you, you're in New York City right now you can hear you're literally in you know in the heart of the city we can hear it outside we can hear you know the streets literally from where you are it is one of the most hardest cities to live in though it is one of the most unforgiving one of the most harshest one of the most I even say cuts though it's like you know people talk about London being bad nothing on New York City that <laughs> How how did you how did you survive? Um, how did I survive by having fun? I've had so much fun growing up here. There's a lot of bad things, yeah, but they're normal after a while, and they don't overshadow the greatness and the magic of this city, which is so special and so wonderful. And um, I survived by being resilient by being resourceful and by just having fun. You know, there was a lot of things that I didn't get to at, at a point in my life after leaving foster care that was like, I mean, I feel like I survived through optimism. I su survived through a miracle. I survived through positivity, but I always wanted to just have fun at the end of the day, no matter what opposition I was carrying or having. I would go find a rave, I would go find a party, I would go find a skate park, I would go find a, a bicycle, or I would go to the soccer field, I would go skate. I would just find things to do 
to make myself happy, to have fun, to meet other people, and to just keep the day going. You know, I used to have no no money in my pocket, and we would go steal 40s. We would go hang out in Tompkins Square Park. We would go to raves, come back out all hours of the night. And we just, I just had fun. I <laughs> just really had fun. Okay. Be, being an independent artist, what was the most difficult challenges that you faced? Um, I think at the time, doing everything by myself and not knowing, not knowing how to do a lot of stuff and not knowing how to do it properly. Um, you know, if I had a better team, you know, it's a miracle that 1992 has is created such a such a movement in the world. But I only imagine what could have happened had I had the proper rearing. So you know, there's some mistakes in the way. There's some trials and errors, but there's no regrets. On 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 your journey coming through as an independent artist, is the, is there any artist that or producers that really um, helpful in helping you get put on or give you new amazing advice or just just giving you that putting the battery in your back and just literally like as they say lifting you up to like pursue what you was doing. I have a few people and and things that I could count as support. Um, Owls, the producer, being one of them. Um, Christopher Lair, who who produced all the Metallic Butterfly, who produced most of Everything Sucks, who produced um, a lot of good stuff with me, who's my DJ on tour. Uh, He and I, he has been my older brother and my mentor for a really long time. I started making music with him when I was 20 years old. He um, comes from a whole different world of music. He, I can count him as a big source of help, support, inspiration, collaboration. Early, I was really supported by Rinse FM and, you know, um, uh, Genius um, from Rinse, you know, was an incredible producer, incredible manager, incredible, you know, DJ, who I have a lot of love for. Um, I have, I count the UK as a big support of, of me. Um, Rough Trade, XL, um, Platoon, you know, um, Tony Seltzer, Jesus, uh, people like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just found little homes in, 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 in these unique places. And those, those people and those have really been my, my partners the way through. Okay. Supporter. So now we're in 2021. What's your vision now? Like, what's your what's your aims now? Because no one can tell you anything because you've done it. You've done world tours. You've done shows. You've put out albums. You know what you can spend on a marketing budget. You know what tracks would work with certain crowds. You know how to build a fan base. You know how to do videos. There's not a lot anybody can tell you, right? So you, so you, you you've got you've got this knowledge of being an artist 360. You know, you know the whole thing. Like, and I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to gas you or anything like that, but but what I want to know is like, what happens next? I think uh, I get to enter a new chapter of my life musically, where I am doing things in a very mainstream but organic fashion, and I am creating more accessible universal music that is going to be 
like I, I just have a lot of help and I have a lot of good sourcing. So this is like me, this is kind of an, a reintroduction of myself to the world with all these, um, with this new beautiful support and new beautiful chapter. And I think I've intended and what I have planned for the world is, is being a pop star, you know, being a universal pop star. I've seen my favorite artists do it um, and do it on their own way, in their own terms. Shakira, J-Lo, Sia. Um, so I, I've, I've known the trajectory of my, my musicality. And it's like, I've done everything that I could do in the underground, um, and I did it well. And I, this is like a beautiful kind of store because like, you know, there's only so much that one, where, one in my position where I come from, like myself, goes you know they're usually like associated point of time in music and oh that was a that was a jam or remember her remember her remember her that was so cool oh i wonder what she's up to now or like she fell off you know how many how many stories do we have of that archetype how many times do we see someone like myself really continue to blossom and reinvent themselves and have really popular modern music i don't i i can't I can't really say that. I think it's more few than common. And it's like, it would be a shame. I think um, when I talk to my fans about me signing and me growing or me lilish in music, it's not that I have changed. It's that I'm not, I'm not gonna sit in my own shit and continue to wallow in the past. One has to grow, one has to evolve. And I have that power. I think it would be really, shameful and um hard for me to hide myself from the world you know i have i am meant to be a star i'm meant to be someone i am you know and i don't want to apologize for that i don't feel like i need to you know there are there are people who are very special in this world and i know that i am special i know that i have the reach the creativity the talent the beauty the 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 the, the mindset to be timeless, to be universal, to to expand beyond my wildest beliefs, and that's what I really what I intend and plan to do. I really plan to do something cool. But you know, like all the women who've inspired me, Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani started out in a ska band, became a huge pop star. Sia started out making music with Zero uh, Seven, trip hop music, and then you know you see Sia's chandelier. Shakira was a rock artist at 19 years old and became a crossover and superstar. You know, even even women like Cardi B, who grew up, who was my same age, grew up in the underbelly of the Bronx and became a, a major artist. It's like, there are some people that, there, there are women like us who have these beautiful passageways in life and I feel like I'm just following those footsteps. That's amazing. That's that's like um, it's like something out of a book. Like that's that's crazy. The book the book of Princess Nokia. Um, very um, very empowered and very excited for the future. Yeah, that's you know what it's inspiring to hear. Like I love that. I love all of the energy that you're giving out right now as well. And you know it's it's, it's fascinating. You're talking about you know other other artists and other women who started out as one thing and ended up doing something else, you know, and I, I know Sia from 
my first introduction to see was when she was on a UK garage record, like which was massive in the clubs and everything else. And then fast forward a number of years and see something totally different now. It's crazy the way that people can reinvent themselves. But the one thing I would say is you your your lyricism is sharp, like you're tight, you're in the pocket as a rapper. It's not you can't question your ability in terms of your delivery and everything else and what you're doing. So what what keeps you focused like that on top of everything else that you've done and the, the transition that you've done from, you know, moving from one side of the business to another? But how, how do you stay focused on delivering the art and making sure that you're in the pocket lyrically? I just write from the heart. I just continue to write from the heart. And I continue to have fun. My music, I have a lot of I have a few rules in my music, a few, but I think they are very distinct. I don't like trashing other women, especially my peers in music, because I think it's I think it's I think it's I think it's hateful. I think it's a little. It's just unbecoming of me. I love women. I love my peers. I love my colleagues. I may not know them, but I have an eternal respect for them. So this isn't a competitive sport for me. So it's not like I'm you know, saying the same thing over and over again. I'm not using women as an antagonist and I'm not making myself feel, seem like I'm better than anyone. So when you take that equation out, you get something refreshing because what am I replacing it with? I'm replacing it with something a bit different. Um, I don't... I don't, um, I say like one thing I do, and then there's like another thing that I do is that I just use references and, uh, I just use a lot of references and symbolisms that refer and depict my life and what's individualistic about me. I'm a rock star, light nerd, industry calling, I give them the curve. You know, like, Gwen Stefani, go bananas, now I'm posing in front of the cameras, and you hear the ad lib, B. A N A N A S, and it's like I just, I just kind of like use all my favorite things, and I and I continue to create with them, and I feel like that's really cool, you know. I feel like this is just makes it just may sound a bit more linear or more wholesome, but it's just it's kind of my secret ingredient, you know. Mm. Saying I'm God's favorite flavor, I'm blessed and highly flavored. He gave me all them blessings, and them blessings turn to paper. So yeah, I've been done wrong by people in my life. I've been taken advantage of. I've had people hurt me. They're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt of me talking about what happened, but they will see me happy, and they will see me shine, and they will see my sacred wisdom being extracted. So you're gonna see how I use art to continuously grow and heal and become richer and stronger and deeper. And I like just using all those those ideas to solidify myself and make it make good music. And I can't lie to you, I just think that because I've doing, been doing this so long, like I don't say I'm the best rapper, I'm not, but can't lie, I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess after all this time, I, I it's unmistakable. I think my tone is unmistakable. I think my delivery is quite unmistakable. Um, sometimes I surprise myself with how great I can, how great of a rapper I am. It still sometimes doesn't hit me or real, I don't realize it. Um, I think because maybe I am a bit modest or 
maybe because um, I take myself out of that idea. And then I look back and I look at things or I'm in it and or I'm just repeating music and I'm like, that sounds sick. That sounds like anything I've ever heard. And then, and then I get the reaffirmation from my, my colleagues, my peers, the people that I work with in management. And I go, oh, this is why I'm in this position. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I still surprise myself. I still get to have that breath of fresh air. I still feel wet behind the ears. I still feel, you know, I think um, I have an identity outside of rap. So uh, it, I can still switch back before. And it's not like, you know, sometimes I forget how massive Princess Nokia is. Sometimes I forget the music I've made because I'm just living in, my, in the present. Okay, that's, that's dope, that's dope. We, we started this conversation where, you know, you were talking about Wild Style and Beat Street and you recited a rap by three women in hip hop. I don't know anybody else that could recite that. I really don't. I don't know, I don't know anybody. Like, you know, I, I, I know some of the biggest hip hop nerds. I know some of the biggest rap addicts, rap fans, rap enthusiasts. They, they wouldn't even know their names, let alone be able to recite it. But seeing that you grew up on that and seeing that you was introduced to that at such a young age, what, what's your take on, on women in hip-hop today, 2021? Like, how do you view that now? I think it's genius. I think it's wonderful. I think it's amazing. Um, I mostly just listen to, and I hate to call it like that, but I mostly just listen to female hip-hop. Um, like I said, I grew up, in, really into rock music, right? Um, techno. Uh, everybody, I think in the early 2000s, was into diplomats and mixtape culture, and I was late to it because I had not discovered that. But you know what made, was my introduction to that actual thing? Nicki Minaj in, 20, in 2007. Um, I heard something on MySpace, and it changed me. I said, what is this? And then um, the way my friends dis were discovering music and taking to new artists, I had that in my own way. So it wasn't for masculine hip hop. It was my first time I really became obsessed with hip hop um, and actively searched for it was when I was 15 years old and I was a young Annika, like just really starting the, the foundations of her career and downloading all that music that I could and and being feeling like the coolest person alive because. I one discovered this really cool artist. And then also it was new for me. I had never done stuff like, like I was not into that. Like, you know, my friend, I, I knew diplomats cause I'm from Harlem and that's what everybody listened to, but it wasn't on my iPod. It wasn't something I was listening to. I wasn't into Chris Brown. I wasn't into Chingy. I wasn't into, you know, um, the stuff that my peers, like, you know, like B2K and all of that. Like, it was like cool to me. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like it sounds cool, but it's not something I was actively looking for watching or wanted, I was like, you know, into Incubus, Nirvana, uh, so many bands, Jesus, M Mary and Joseph, it was wild. Um, so then I get I get reintroduced to modern hip hop and it, and I realized that I only like female hip hop really. You know, I like, I like all types of records, I like all types of people, but here is this predicate for me of not someone from the Little Kim or Foxy Brown era that I really recall, but someone that is in the you know the, the millennium, and um, that that 
seeing the trajectory of so many things, like I've always been a champion of female hip hop, you know, I grew up loving Little Kim and Foxy Brown, you know, Roxanne Shag, like every era of hip hop, female hip hop, I love and have notes. Like I, I'm like a nerd for Roxanne Chante, Queen Lativa, Yo-Yo, you know, um, uh, Hadi Tadi, uh, Charlie Baltimore, Foxy Brown, Little Kim, um, Shit, uh, uh, um, Gangsta Boo, Hurricane G, um, Trina, you know, um, uh, Nicki Minaj, Remy Ma. And then when the cornucopia of female artists started growing on the internet, I loved it. And I was a part of it, but I've always loved it. And I loved watching all of the girls in the last 10 years flourish and create their own individual story lines and sounds and i think that at the time sometimes it was like you had to be really into cool music to know that stuff and now it's mm. everywhere and we see it and there's so many options there's so many tech tastes there's so many textures and i'm like the nerd in me is like yay yay so <laughs> i'm just happy for these women i'm happy that they are experiencing this refreshing time in music, I think that they deserve it. I think, I think, I think female hip hop is still not even giving, being given the, the revolutionary scope that it deserves. Um, so I quite love it and I'm a big supporter of it and I'm happy to be a part of it.